0: Hello. We are here on Waldman's Words for the very first episode of the year with Jed Fuchs, Emily Burke, I'm Scott Waldman, and Aaron Carnes, author and music journalist, is our very first guest of Yay. 20.
1: Hey, I wasn't done, but okay. I'll take the yay. I was excited. I was excited about the year. I was excited about the guest. I missed you. I missed you guys.
0: I still miss you.
2: Because mm.
1: so, I've seen you once in a whole year. That's fine.
2: No,
0: yeah, well, no, no. We We actually saw each other a bunch prior to the schmovid thing. But then we had a little bit of a sabbatical and we had a social distance lunch oh, yeah. outside with Emily and Jed. And now we're not doing any of that because nope. I have a baby. Anyway, this isn't about me. This is about Aaron Carnes. Emily and Jed chime in.
1: He's our favorite kind of guest, which is a big music nerd. Ooh, we love a good music nerd. We love nerd. it. We
2: love the music nerds, especially because he's very big into one specific genre. So he knows a whole bunch. And that is ska. <laughs> it's funny because Emily, Emily
0: kind of low key calls me a nerd on the show. So you'll have to stick around to figure out why, and it involves. Did I? A lot- I don't
2: even remember doing that, but you it did. sounds like something I would do.
1: Monty <laughs> and a <Montana laughs> Python. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah.
1: There it is. No, we love a good music nerd, especially because you get into those like deep down depths. We hear the story behind "Sellout" by Real Big Fish, and it's not what you think it is at all. Not what I thought it was. Scott. what anyone said. thought it was. It's not even what Real Big Fish thought it was, okay? Yeah, they didn't even know. Scott tried to psych him out and say, oh, well, you have you heard of this band? And he (laughs) had. So. Eh,
0: you know, can't blame the good guy. Nah.
2: He's coming on to talk about his new book, which will be coming out in May of 2021, but you can pre-order it right now and receive it in April, and that is In Defense of Ska, which talks about Basically, what the title is, it's In Defense of Ska. We're learning about Ska all over the world, the resurgence of Ska, uh, why you shouldn't make fun of Ska, or why maybe you should make fun of Ska.
0: (laughs) If you want to be a contrarian, like the girl who just said something. But no, I'll just tell you this. I haven't read the book yet. It's in my hand right now. I'm going to read it soon. And I want to read it even more after having Aaron on the show, because he knows a
1: Scott more than I do. Uh. (laughs) On that note, we're going to dive headfirst into this episode after a quick little break from Adobe. Thank you all for sticking around. Ladies and gentle thems, welcome to Waldman's Words here on Adobe Radio. We are pumped to have our first episode of the year, as well as our first guest of the year, Mr. Aaron Carnes, an author and music journalist. Thank you for joining us today.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
1: I want more enthusiasm from
0: everyone, okay? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Aaron let's start yes. this year like you're truly defending Scott okay we've got right. author music journalist and person Aaron Carnes on the show
3: thank you so much I am ready to fight back against Scott haters
2: there it is it is the first episode we are recording in this new year. I think we're still coming out of the 2020 fatigue and ready to get into the 2021 fatigue.
0: Yeah, there mm-hmm. it is, setting us up for a fall.
3: Emily, love it.
2: Just in case, you know what? After last year, is anyone else like afraid to get their hopes up?
3: You oh. gotta, you gotta keep the expectations low so that
2: exactly. if, if good
3: things happen, it'll all be a pleasant surprise.
0: You know what's crazy is that is a positive attitude that supplants negativity. So I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, 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 I just wanted to say that you were very, very nice. And this is something that Emily doesn't know and that Jed doesn't know, Aaron. But you sent me an advance copy of your book, In Defense of Ska. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And it is in my hand. And I'm not going to lie to you and say I read it yet because I have a book cue. But I assure you, I will. But I just want to say that I love this music. I could honestly say that it shaped me into a better guitarist, human, bass player, and
3: aficionado. So thank you
0: for inventing ska, as you say in your book that I haven't read.
3: (laughs) Yes. you're, You're very welcome. I am happy to have brought this music to the world. Thank you.
1: Can you Give us a quick <laughs> overview of uh, your career and your work, as well as the book and journalism. Sure, sure. So I
3: um, have been a music journalist for about a decade. Um, I was a musician back in the 90s. I played in a ska band. It was not a very notable ska band. We were called Flat Planet. And I love ska. That was my favorite music. Back then, I, for me, it was really mostly in the early, early to mid '90s that I was heavily into the music and heavily into the scene. I was less invested in the music and the scene when it started to become, you know, digested by and spit back out by MTV, and, and kind of that whole thing that happened to me was kind of a bummer at the time. But you know, I felt like the scene was just really interesting, really, really lively and vibrant in the in the early '90s. And I also, you know, would learn as a journalist how exciting it was in the 80s here in the U.S. And of course, going back to Two-Tone and Jamaica and and also the ways that it's traversed all over the world is all very interesting.
0: I'm sorry to interrupt you, but do you feel that... The third wave stuff, like the Toasters you were into and not the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, Real Big Fish era of the third wave, I guess the more ska punk stuff?
3: I like all of it. Um, And, you know, I like, well, not, I don't like every single band, but I like every style of ska. I think there's good bands that do all of it. Um, And I like some of the bands that were on the radio. I do like Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and Real Big Fish, for instance, and I do like Toasters and Hepcat and all these other bands. Um the, the thing that kind of irked me at the time and still to this day, which I write about is I didn't like how the culture, how major labels and MTV and stuff packaged ska and kind of threw it back at people. And I feel like that did a big disservice to what the ska scene was like, say, in like 1994, 1995, before it became like packaged as a trend, you know, and it, it was... It was packaged as this sort of goofy trend, which there was goofy bands, but there was bands that weren't goofy as yeah. well. Like before before MTV got their hands on it, all of those bands coexisted and they all had like their stake in ska and they had their say on how they did ska. And I think that was a really good time. It was a really beautiful thing. Like you could have a real big fish who were an underground band before they got signed. They did their thing. Orange County had that sort of goofy scene um hepcat were in la doing like traditional stuff you had you know you had punk rock bands doing really political stuff all of that like, coexisted in, in this cool way and it was all ska you know i mean there was debates about what was pure ska what wasn't pure ska but yep. it wasn't it wasn't the way that it became sort of like six bands ska's goofy ska's for goofy kids it's lighthearted music it totally changed the way ska was perceived, especially by people who weren't involved beforehand.
0: Well, and I, mean, that- I can tell you as someone who I'm, I'm 39. So mm-hmm. the first bands in that world that I was exposed to, and then I want to go back to the beginning, not to the beginning of ska, but to the beginning of you. But yeah, the ska bands that I first heard, and obviously like a lot of people would be like, this isn't ska, but I would say no doubt. And sublime is what introduced me as a 14, Fifteen-year-old kid watching MTV and watching eventually Carson Daly do the Scotter Day, um, yes. and then I heard about the Boss Tones, Real Big Fish, Less Than Jake, all that stuff. But you're right about the goofiness factor. But I just want to thank MTV for showing me that music because I don't know if I would have heard it. Uh, yeah. Quickly, so
3: I mean that's a fair point. I mean I could we can we can say that there was a good aspect of it getting a larger audience, but.
0: I think you're I would about the argue, culture and the goofiness factor yeah. um, because obviously no one would associate the specials with being like a goofy band or like Laurel Atkin. Or is it Aitken? Yeah. Please tell
3: me I got it right. Did I get yeah. it right? <laughs> well, see, the thing is like, like I was really my. I'm I'm a little bit older than you. So Skank and Pickle was my first band that I got really into that really introduced me to the music. Mike and Parker. they were def- and yeah, they were definitely, they had a goofy factor. But it wasn't present. It wasn't like how it was seen on MTV. It was like they had these crazy, chaotic, like almost like circus level live shows. Some of the stuff they sing about was wacky, but they also had anti-racist songs. They had political songs, and it wasn't silly. It was like more just like crazy. Like if you went to their show in like 1992 or three, it was like this overwhelming crazy experience where that. Whether you're not even like the music, you were just like, "Wow, these guys took over the show," and you know, like people, metalheads, hardcore punk rockers, they they totally respected that band and and like the other bands in the scene doing that because it was like they they were just the energy they had was just like to, to be reckoned with, you know, and that's the that's the side, the side of like ska, even the like quote unquote silly side of ska that I loved.
1: Right. Right. So your favorite song is Sellout by Real Big Fish. and We're going to take it all the way back to the beginning of your life so that we can understand better how we got to where we are today and where we're going in the future.
3: Sure, sure. Do you want to hear, um, even though I know you were joking about Sellout, do you want to hear <laughs> an interesting factoid? I, I can tell you the history behind that song. Yes. Always. So Sellout. Okay, so... Fix wrote that song before they got a record de- deal first off I think that's an important thing to note what happened was in in 1995 Dancehall Crashers got signed to um this THC. label called 5 well they 510 were- they got signed to 510 which was just like a subsidiary of MCA yeah. so it's basically a major but not exactly Ben Folds so, was on it as well
1: ooh you're so
3: In the Orange County scene, even though Dancehall Crashers are from Northern California, the Orange County scene, they were bickering about, like, oh, man, Dancehall Crashers, they got signed to to MCA, they're sellouts. And uh, Real Big Fish, those guys were just, like, underground bands in that scene at that time. And Aaron Barrett, like, thought it was ridiculous that they were all, like, complaining about Dancehall Crashers, who are a great band, like, potentially going to be getting a larger audience. And so he wrote that song... Sort of about the ridiculousness of the Orange County scene, complaining about dancehall crashers, quote unquote, selling out, and that's the whole. And in fact, he even throws in like a, a riff from a Go, dancehall crasher song, the song called "Go." That's in the beginning as like, it's like a, a nod to its the major origin. scale part. Bom, 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 that part, the turns. the guitar lead at the very beginning of the song. Oh, really?
1: No yeah, it's
3: it's, it's it's. I didn't even notice it he, until he told me. Yeah. It's a, it's just a little like you know, little. little that's an nod. Easter egg, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Easter egg. That's good. So, well, checkered Easter si- egg. <laughs> when they got signed to Mojo, it was their suggestion that they go, "Oh, this, this sellout song. That's, that's the first single. Haha, <laughs> Isn't that hilarious?" And then they're like, "All right, sure. Why not?" <laughs> no
0: way. Just so you know, um, I, in addition to, I'm a journalist as well. Not as storied as you. I've been doing it only for a few years, but. I recently wrote about 20 underrated bands in the punk world for alt press. And of course, I included Dancehall Crashers, even though you you could argue ska, punk, or whatever. But the harmonies from that band were incredible. But let's get to the very beginning. And speaking of harmony, were you singing in the
3: crib? Where did you grow up? (laughs) I was singing all the time. My mom tells me that when she took me to the grocery store as a little kid, I was just singing all the time. So... Um I grew up in a town called Gilroy, California. That's um in Northern California, kind of the southern tip of the Bay Area where the Isn't that like
2: capital is the world. Splits?
3: Yes. Uh i uh it's one oh one and I five, yeah. So it's yep. sort of the entryway to the Bay Area.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's the crossroads when you're deciding which terrible drive back from San Diego to Los Angeles you're gonna take.
0: No, 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 exactly, no, San Francisco to Los Angeles. I'm sorry. Yeah, SF to LA. Duh. It's okay. Uh, uh, shit happens and you're from California, you asshole. For real. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's
2: from LA, so why would he ever leave it?
0: Yeah, seriously. Jake. No, no, no. Back back to you. Uh, uh you you can listen to us babble on our episode of Waldman's Words entitled Three Live Jews. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, so Gilroy. I grew up in Gilroy. Uh, it's not a very big town, but it's pretty close to the rest of the Bay Area. Um,
1: nice. And were you getting exposed to a lot of music while you were young?
3: I was not. I was pretty. Uh, I, I grew up in a pretty sheltered house, uh, really religious, and I wasn't really permitted to listen to non-religious music, um, which I, you know, would, would sneak and. Yeah, I was about
0: that back you Never mask any bands like. No, this is this band's called Morbid Angel because they're commenting on how <laughs> horrible satanic music is.
1: Yeah,
3: no, but I mean, I was never into like music that was so overtly bad to like the Christian sensibility. It was always like I was really into like The Cure and Depeche Mode, and you know, mm. eventually Ska and stuff. So, but my mom was like really weird about the stuff that that like r- like stuck out to her. Like my older brother, is like seven years older than me. He he was he got into Devo at one point and she saw the the Devo record and she's like, Devo as in devil. <laughs> and like, and like, but meanwhile he's like listening to all this like crazy heavy metal that kind of just went over her radar.
0: <laughs> well,
3: it, what's funny is
0: I, I'm not sure if I told this on the Twitch or on an episode, but in 1994, I was 13 and we went to a record store, my mom and I, and she said, you can get anything you want. And I never grew up in a really censored house. I mean, it was kind of like, if I want to see a movie, I could watch it unless it's like hardcore porn, which it'd be weird if I had my parents to watch that. Anyway, so I'm in the store and Nine Inch Nails, the downward spiral, is what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I grabbed it and my mom brought it to the counter. It said parental advisory on it, but you know she didn't care. And the lady at the counter looks at my mom, looks at me. I'm 13, but I look like I'm like 7. And she says, you're going (laughs) to you're going to let your son listen to this? And my mom's like, Yeah, why? <laughs> and then she whispered something in my mom's ear. I'll never know what she whispered. And my mom <laughs> looks at me. She's like, Yeah, grab another CD. So <laughs> I grabbed Tom Petty's Wildflowers. And then I bought the downward spiral uh, with my own allowance money like the next day. So there you go.
2: What a lame store employee. Like, I feel like if you work in a record store that's even selling nine inch nails and you see like a kid want to listen to it, you got to be like, hey, yeah, man, like, get into it. It's awesome.
0: It's probably some <laughs> fundamentalist of some kind. But yeah, fuck that girl. What is she doing yeah.
3: now? So, I mean, she I had know. she had to have said uh, reference that I want to fuck you like an animal, right? That had to be what she
0: might, that's what I assumed. But that's not even the most, you know, intensely vulgar lyric on the album. I think there's that song Eraser. I mean, it's just a, a lot of sex and drugs and violence. And I don't know. My mom was just like, yeah, no, I'd rather you listen to Tom Petty. <laughs>
3: to be to be fair though, Wildflowers is a better album. So. Uh,
0: to be fair, you're wrong, but I'll keep you on the show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Music is subjective. I'll keep going. How about this?
0: Uh, would you rather listen to the specials or the English beat?
3: Um, I mean, they're both like such good bands. I would, probably put the specials as a better band overall, but I mean, they're both such phenomenal... I think I
0: you know? Can't Stop It is a better album than any specials album, but I think Ooh. the specials have a
3: better catalog.
1: Okay, that's fair. You I know mean, all the, those words, we don't pit two bad bitches against each other. Band, <laughs> so
3: I mean, I think English Beats three albums, their first three albums from back then, are really solid. You know, I mean, I don't know if... I, It's hard to argue that those three albums. They're just pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, It's just the Specials' first album, even though I really like. Self titled is is their best one, I think, but that's me. Yeah, even though Specials' first album is pretty much like a a legendary record, I like the second album. But I mean, it's just like I don't. I think the English beats consistently over the three records is better.
0: Well, that's Mm. what I'm saying. I'm saying that I think I just can't stop it is mm-hmm. like the best front to back album, but I think the specials is catalog is better. That's mm. my opinion. But anyway, let's get back to you. So again, you're listening to Morbid Angel with your Christian mother and yeah, you're I practicing am. upstrokes. Did you, you know, play any instruments? And this is where you can out your shitty middle school band's name if you have one.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I did start playing drums in the fourth grade for, yes. for marching for not it wasn't marching band yet. It was concert band. And uh, uh, Brownell. Yes. Brownell was the name of the school. I actually had to think about that for a second. I played some from fourth grade to sixth grade. I just played in the concert band. I did like, you know, drums or whatever, Mike um, snare drum or stuff. Then in junior high, it became marching band. So seventh and eighth and then ninth, first year high school marching band. I, for some reason, I just suddenly just like, was like, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> and then somewhere, somewhere between ninth and 10th grade, I, I got a drum set and I started playing actual drums. And then that's when I started doing band stuff.
0: I think most so, but, people, when they join marching band, they say, I don't like this anymore.
3: But I did, you know, two years of junior high and and one almost a full year of, of, of high school before I got to that point.
0: Oh, I did it. I did marching band since elementary school on the trombone. And you'd think I'd be in a ska band on trombone, but I fucking hated it. So do you have any of those band names, though? This is, again, I'm going to ask you again, because... You might've been like
3: Skanking Dill instead of Skanking Pickle. I don't know. <laughs> you want, you want to know my early band names? Yes.
2: So, band. Still got him.
3: so my early, so my early band experience was like one big evolution to Flat Planet and then Flat Planet, my ska band that kind of went for a while then it ended. Right. Um, but we did, we did when we started, it was me and my friend, Mike Vinelli. Uh He played guitar and then our other friend, Bruce, he didn't play anything and eventually he took up bass. Um, we, we started out playing like these joke songs um, and we never played out. We, we just recorded them. And I think we called ourselves Gumby Spine. <laughs> then we, then okay. we called ourselves After You. That sounds like, like an new man name.
0: That sounds like an new man name. Gumby Spine like, me is great.
3: Like the joke with after you is we named our band after you. Uh, when are you going? We, we were really young. Um, but then at some point flat planet became the band name. And that was like, well before it was ska. we were just doing like these sort of police slash rush inspired, like froggy songs. And the band evolved to be a little bit more pop oriented and then eventually turned into a ska band. But that whole time we would just call flat planet. Was that a nod to the flat earth society or was it just, it, a it, it was not because Bruce, the guy who was a bass player who eventually left before flat planet really did much. He just thought it sounded like this cool, like he, like he, he thought it sounded like this cool funk band name. Like he just imagined, like oh, flat planet, you know, like that's what that was, like kind of his thinking. And we're like, oh, it's a cool name, Um, but we thought it was funny because in the '90s, the Flat Earth Society was a total joke; that nobody believed that shit. Yeah, Um, but see, I would never name a band Flat Planet now because people believe that now, and people would assume that we believed it, maybe, or it would at least be a question. But in the '90s, nobody was like. Asking us, like, do you actually believe the Earth is flat?
0: Right. No, I'm. I'm not going to start a man now called anti-vax. I get it. Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> it was so such a joke that you know that it was funny. You know, that's just the way the world has changed in the last 20 years. Well, I just want you to
0: know that I'm very, very happy with this show so far because we haven't even spoken about your writing at all, and that's normally what we do in the second half. So mm-hmm. I think that. If you could find a badass way to wrap up your personal music career, because you said in the beginning you used to be a musician, you're still a musician. You're just not a practicing musician.
3: So, well, yeah, and I actually, I do actually have a band now oh. that I've had since, since 2009, but it's uh, it's definitely like a for fun sort of thing. Well, I'm gonna email um, all your band members and say, "Hey, man, he doesn't even consider himself a musician. You should find someone else." <laughs> so yeah, so I'll just wrap up my my music experience. Flat Planet was my main musical experience when I was younger. We, um, I would say around 92, we had been going since like early, early high school, you know. Around 92, 93, I, I learned about ska in 92. And as soon as I learned about ska, I went to see Skank and Pickle, you know, it had that sort of mind blowing, like, oh my God, this is amazing. I wanted to be a ska band. It took a little convincing, but eventually, uh, you know, eventually we were a ska band probably by like late 92 to early 93. And then, we went on for a few years. We did some touring. We, we, um, rec- recorded a couple demos. We actually recorded a full length album, which uh, a couple songs got put on like some compilations in the nineties. And then the band kind of imploded before we were able to release the full album. Um, so my name is Aaron. And,
0: Yee. My favorite band is green day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Pickle Pickle we we've we've Covered
3: skank and pickles song. Yeah. um, then I tried to I tried I did a few bands after that 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 were either just fun bands or serious bands that just couldn't go anywhere. And then I kind of stopped music for a while and then um then in 2009 I started me and me and my friend Adam Davis and then another friend named Bob started this band called Narboots that was like completely about having fun. We started out playing punk songs, but then eventually we we turned it into this electronic band where all the songs were on the iPod and we would get these long mic cables I I didn't play drums anymore I just sang and we would just sing songs and and get in the audience and and at this point now Narboots is like we get like a parachute go in the audience wait, wait, get wait, everybody to down. underneath wait 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 parachute can you please yeah. the- uh, <laughs> Okay so you know what a parachute is right No no <laughs> wait you no, that was so fucking condescending, Aaron. No, no, Tell, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just uh, literally a parachute, like this gigantic parachute. We get the p- gigantic parachute. We take it into the audience, like the whole entire club floor, and we get audience members to hold up ends of it, and then we sing. We go underneath it. We bring as many people who are willing to come underneath it, and we like do our show underneath the par- par- parachute. And we, um, it's just a complete breaking of the of the like audience, like stage audience member area sort of thing. And, um, you know, we just try to get people to totally dance and just completely forget everything and get off their phones. And, you know, we will sometimes bring drums under there and just have people start playing, pounding on drums. We'll like, we'll throw glitter and toilet paper everywhere. It just, the more Narboots continues on, the more it becomes like, how much more fun can we make this like, fun project you know because that's what music is to a lot of people especially when they're older and like the the prospects of making it are just gone so we're like we try to push that as far as possible and uh i don't know it's been really fun i mean unfortunately with the pandemic we haven't been able to do it and we won't be able to do it again until everyone's totally vaccinated because we're we're all about yeah getting in people's faces and all that. So <laughs> we can't do like socially distanced shows. That's just not like right. feasible at all.
1: <laughs> not hit the vibe. Yeah. Well, dope man. So it sounds like you kind of got like a good self music education, whether or not you were only allowed to listen to Christian ska bands. <laughs> <laughs> There wasn't a Christian, by the way.
3: Five uh, iron Christian ska friend, came. Five That came later, day. by the way. That, that came after I was uh, already listening to non-Christian music.
0: You were like Five Iron Striper during their ska phase. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we're going to end this in a little bit. But do you have an adjective to describe the past 25-ish minutes of your life other than
3: nostalgic?
0: Because that's what I would say.
3: Nostalgic. Uh, um, and hello, dog. <laughs> Scottastic.
0: I mean, oh. my, name, my name has Scott in it.
1: Wow. Nah, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Scottastic. Uh uh. Scottastic.
2: Scott. Scott.
1: Scott. Yeah, Scottastic. Scott. Isn't that what I said? Yeah. That's his new solo artist name.
2: But you can't spell it that way, or people will call you Scat.
0: <laughs> well i wasn't that that monty python skit where it's like no it's pronounced throat wobbler mangrove
2: i don't know anything about monty python i'm a cute girl
0: oh <laughs> well i'm a nerd boy so anyway we will be back with aaron Carnes, cute girl emily burke cute girl jed fuchs and <laughs> aaron karns i did not ask how you identify so i'm just gonna say aaron Carnes.
3: thank you
2: Hello everybody and welcome back to a brand new episode of Waldman's Words, or a not so brand new episode if you are listening from the podcast. But we have Mr. Aaron Carnes on the line, an amazing music journalist and author. And Scott and Jed are here too.
0: Hey. Enthusiasm, man.
2: Come on, Aaron Carnes, you're on Waldman's words. Dick do. <laughs> you want me, to, you
3: the- want me to say it again? You want me to say yeah, hi again? But the more saves your life. Okay.
1: Hey,
3: how you guys doing?
2: There it is.
1: <laughs> we spent the first half of the show talking about your musical history and how we got to where you are today. But we definitely want to hear about the journalism and the authorship. Does someone have a really big book release coming soon? Ooh. Oh,
3: yes. And it's on May 4th of uh, 2021.
1: Quattro de Mayo, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a big day. Um, us about today.
0: I just want you to know that anytime Jed laughs, I love it. And Emily has only laughed twice her entire life. So Ooh. I'm a
2: tough nut to crack.
0: Yep. True story. I'm actually holding the book, an advanced copy, in my hand. And I am going to read it 100% sometime over the next few months because mm. working from home with a baby is difficult. But I'm going to read it. I want to read it because I don't have any other books about this genre at all. But what possessed you to do something so stupid? (laughs) So
3: stupid as to write a book or one about ska? Both. Both? Okay. (laughs) Well, so I started, I got into music journalism um, around 2009, 2000, like early 2010, yeah, and print media was really dying. Same. I know. I, I picked it just a great time <laughs> yeah. to start, you know, doing journalism. But yeah, I, I got into it, and um, I enjoyed it. I found out that I enjoyed it a lot, and I was writing for local local media. I was, I was living in San Jose at the time. Um, Metro newspaper is uh, like the local weekly there, and I was interviewing mostly local bands and some out of town bands, and. The more I got into it, the more I enjoyed it, I started getting really into like music books and stuff and and, and reading like these long histories about different genres and different scenes and whatnot. And that's when it struck me that like there wasn't really much about ska and not only was there not much about ska, but ska didn't even have the respect that it would take for one to even exist. Ska, when it came to music journalism, when it came to popular culture, was a punchline. Yep. Particularly 90s ska, which for most people that are not like big into ska, that's what ska is. So, what happened in 1996, 1997 that was this goofy trend that came out of nowhere and that died just as fast. And wasn't that weird? Yeah. To be fair, the swing one was true. That was a trend. And that, but ska was packaged the same way and it wasn't. There was, there was, not only did ska start. You know, in the '50s in Jamaica, and go to England and stuff. There had been a ska scene in the U.S. since the early '80s, a healthy one, with not just people listening to two-tone, but local bands forming, and and every major city, you know, from the early '80s on. So, the ska scene that happened in 1995 or so that got popular was the product. It came from all like 15 years of of a U.S. scene that happened. You know the it there were only like six or seven bands that became really famous, but there were hundreds that existed before that and continued to exist. So anyways, I knew, you know, that's the kind of stuff I was thinking when I was like, why doesn't any of this exist for ska or why wouldn't it exist? Why, why do people just make fun of ska when there's so I much
0: you could say about ska. On that? I think it has to do with the fact like, let's just not even talk about the goofy fashion But Mm -hmm. horns in general are just kind of goofy looking instruments. And the fact that a band or people would not even call them bands, they'd call them more marching bands, would have them on stage, they would associate like that marching band dork mentality with people. I'm not saying that it's justified, Mm -hmm. but I feel that that contributed as well.
3: Oh, oh, definitely. I mean, that's definitely what became Scott, kind of like equals marching band nerds and bad punk rock. I mean, that's just kind of the shorthand. Especially, and it the, the longer we got away from the 90s, the more that became entrenched in people's minds to the point where it started becoming a thing that all TV shows would have to have, like, a Scott joke, and the joke was always the same joke. It was always that it was a nerdy thing that some character did in their past that they're now embarrassed by, and that mm. was it was like the go to. Like every show has to have that now, and like where was like where's the rest of this? It wasn't this just that ska started. It wasn't just the interesting history that ska started in Jamaica. It was everything that was happening around the '90s, everything happening in the '80s that led to it, and everything that happened since the the ska died in the '90s in the mainstream. It's continued to be a healthy underground scene with lots of interesting bands. And it continues to be that today. You know, there was a lot of great ska bands, a lot of great albums that came out in 2020. I mean, like more than has been in a while. The like, actually a- we had we actually
0: had um Vinny from Less Than Jake yeah. and The Inevitables on the show. Keep Flying just released a great EP. Ska is not dead. It's just I don't know whether it's gonna be in the mainstream world ever again. But I just want to say that my favorite part of your website is your tagline and it says music journalist with a soft spot for Ska because (laughs) oftentimes that's an oxymoron. Like the pig's world, the spins of the world, they completely shit on the genre no matter what. And it's just very upsetting because you know, they all still love operation Ivy.
3: Yeah. And and that's definitely, that's definitely what inspired me because I was a journalist and I grew up with this music. I still liked the music And I just felt like there was so much about it that people didn't know and, and that what that they would like, that they would respect if they, if they broadened their scope on Ska, if they got past just the six silly bands in the mainstream, if they learned a little bit more about it, they would like it. And I don't understand why Ska has to be defined by the worst aspects of it. I think everything is
0: defined by the worst aspects
3: of it. Well, I think Ska is. I think Ska is more than other things. I mean, we could definitely go to any genre and make it sound horrible if we just pick, cherry picked the worst things about it and the worst stereotypes about it and the worst bands. We can make, you know, the best genre sound like the worst thing in the world. And like people got so used to that with Ska that they stopped questioning whether that was even like a valid way to look at it. Well, so. I would
2: like your opinion as a music journalist. I think it's kind of a big. Thing within your realm and your job to follow the trends and see what's going to be coming up and what people will be listening to at the end of the year 2021 Hell and yeah. so for ska for me i'm on the younger side where i was like born in 1997 so i couldn't be there during like the actual first wave of ska mm-hmm. but i see how it would work in the late 90s early 2000s in terms of like pop culture and the fashion and everything there like scott to me makes sense in that time period and since the early 2000s fashion is coming back all like the late 90s stuff uh gwen stefani just put out something about her ska roots do you think that maybe there's going to be a resurgence probably this year
3: so what's happening in ska there's two things happening in ska right now and that really really took effect last last year in 2020 the underground scene of new bands is really taking off um and this is not like you know you're talking about the inevitables they, they put out a great record. those are all old school you it's know, a super original group. it's a super group of nineties people um all the all the nineties bands are putting out records when Stefani's like kind of reclaiming her roots all everything you're saying is true it's happening, but the more interesting thing that's happening is the new bands that are that from the last five even ten years that have like kind of reclaiming and are really uh, gaining a force uh, within their music. There's a, there's a record. Out? Cause I honestly would love to just listen to those. So yeah. So the first off, you got to check out the label bad time records. They are the go-to label right now for like the bands. Is that in, a Connecticut based uh, one? Uh, I believe so. Unless I'm completely wrong. They are actually based out of um, the, the, I think he, I think he's out of mm-hmm. Alameda, California. Okay. Um, and I'm wrong. Sorry. <laughs> we are and the he's, union. He's, it says that he, they're reissuing. We are the union is on that label. They, they're a great band. Um, Bad Time Records just put out in December this band called Bad Operation, who I think are probably one of the best bands to come out in the last twenty years. Uh, they're a New Orleans ska band. Uh, the members were in ska bands maybe like in the early two thousands. They've also played in like punk rock and and uh, indie rock bands. Are they kind it's, of
0: similar to Mad Caddies and that they throw in?
3: No, it's like it's kind of two-tone, but it's different. It's like not punk at all. It's got that sort of mid-tempo two-tone groove. It's got like really good, unique, um, singing vocals to it. It's kind of got a gritty element to it without going in any sort of hardcore or punk direction. That's that's a band. And in fact, f- oddly enough, you mentioned Spin. Spin just published an article about them yesterday which is crazy. So you got to check out bad operation and you have to check out, um, bad times records. And then if you're, if you're all on YouTube in the last couple of years, I'm, you've probably seen Scott Tune network. Have yeah, you seen that? I was going
1: to ask you if you knew Scott Tune network. Okay. Yep. He is amazing. So Scott
3: Tune network is a great channel. Jeremy has been doing covers of, you know, non Scott songs for a while and has kind of become the voice of Scott for the younger generation. Literally. They're uh, on social media all the time. People listen to everything they say, but, and that's important. Wait, but the other interesting I, I
0: thing talk about Scott tune very quickly for the people who don't know who aren't as cool as Jed. So basically yeah. Scott tune is super cool. Cause it takes a lot of songs in either like the emo world or the pop world or the punk world and yes. makes them completely third wave ska punk songs like you can listen to my chemical romance song as a ska punk song which never thought i'd say that
1: the, Literally. Literally. But so, it's not
3: always it's not always third wave i mean they do like traditional it, it depends like song to song jeremy takes and does what they feel like is the right that, way to and, cover and, it song
0: sorry it, it just anytime yeah. the three letter curse word known as is Incorporated.
3: Yeah. (laughs) So, but I think the interesting thing, I love Ska2 Network, and it's gotten so much attention. Like, I think think the channel's up to like 200,000 or more subscribers or followers or whatever. But Jeremy has started a a project called Jer, J-E-R, that's original music. And They've released, I think, three singles last year and has a full full-length album planned for this year. And it's really good. Like really original. It's kind of punk ska stuff, but it's like the songwriting is very unique. It's not it doesn't sound like what people associate with, like um Goldfinger or Real Big Fish. It's not that style of pop punk songwriting. It's very quirky and weird and, and like you could tell that they have a music theory background. And you know, plus you know, both with his, both with the, their solo music and with Scott Tune network, Jeremy plays like all the instruments. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure about drums, really? but, but like you watch the channel and they're switching off between trumpet and bass and all this. And, and, and I think the same's true for, uh, the Jer project. So, you know, between Jer and bad operation and, and cat bite and some of these other bands, and then that's just bad time. That's just the bad time scene that's definitely a big thing that's happening that happened over the last few years and has really been blowing up over the last year. And I think it's going to go even further in 2021, especially when live music is an option again.
2: And then live. People are going to look for fun, lively, loud, because if people are going to go out to see live music now, they're going to want to go out for a show show, not just like, Oh, this sounds like fun. They're like, I want an experience if I am about to leave the house.
3: And there's stuff happening all over the world. I mean, Mexico, when you read my book, my last chapter is about Mexico and their ska scene is enormous. They were before the pandemic, they had regular 25,000 people festivals in Mexico City, like the Pepsi, Pepsi Ska Festival. Uh, they used to have the one called the nonstop ska. I think, um, these festivals were massive, all 100% ska. And I'm actually you
2: know, not surprised that there's a large ska scene in Mexico, especially going back to the horns, because mm-hmm. traditionally Mexican music is the exact same instrumentation as ska bands.
3: It's very punk-oriented, though, which is interesting. It's There are a few bands that do like two-tony traditional stuff, but the culture of Mexican ska is largely punk-oriented, and the bands look like, like a 90s... <laughs> You know, third wave ska band most of the time, like sort of punk rockers with horns, uh, and and a lot of them sound that way too. And it's all very political, and it's also associated with sort of the poor communities, the kind of the ghettos of Mexico City and and different parts of Mexico. That like it's even sort of the stereotype in Mexico is that, that that's sort of like ghetto music, you know? That's mm. the, the the voice of this sort of under under underrepresented and, and and you know, and, and they, the lyrics they sing about is talks about those issues and stuff. Um It's very interesting and it's very much alive there. And it's very much alive in many, many countries all over the world. It's, it's never got the, like, I think it's still the, big in Japan, relatively speaking. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tokyo. Yeah. The, the
0: Japan like loves that I listened to in the nineties um, is, is still, like a Tokyo big-
3: Scott Scott Tokyo Scott Paradise if I got their name right they are huge and they're a, they're an amazing band but they are huge in Japan.
0: Well, I just want to say one quick thing and then I want maybe an anecdote in your book. Um so sure. as a fellow journalist, I got to write an article for Substream Magazine about the top 10 third wave ska albums of all time. So I have a 2 part yeah. question. Um what band do you think or album sorry do you think i put as number one and this isn't really a question it's more of a request can Uh, i read you the first uh few sentences because i think you'll
3: like it (laughs) so you want me to try to guess what i think your favorite and actually i'm I'm
0: gonna force you to hear what i said a scott is not a dirty three little word the entire genre gets a bad rap by way too many and it truly shouldn't it is so so much more than checkerboard pattern swag and fedora hats. Anyway, that's my thing. You go.
3: <laughs> so so this so your your pick was had to be it's nineties then right?
0: Uh it is a nineties album. In fact, I'm scrolling on this list, and the majority of them are late nineties albums. Is it a
3: major? Is it a major album, or it, is it, it like it's a not a
0: major album, but it's a major band? Uh-huh. I'll I give you a hint. Uh number 2 is less than Jake Hello Rockview and number 1 is not a less than Jake album.
3: <laughs> did you pick like a lesser um real big fish album like why do they rock so hard or
1: something You're like that? A
3: fucking brilliant person because that's the one.
1: <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's why I did that that clue. And just so you know, um I don't know if you'd be able to guess all the bands on here, but I also talk about Long Island, Sky Legends, Edna's Goldfish, so I don't know if you know about them,
3: but that oh, would I talk. do know about them. That's my Long shit. Long Island dude. Long, Island's, Long Island is a uh, a legendary place for Ska. Not only did it have uh, Edna's Goldfish, but it also was where Jeff Rosenstock's band, uh, the Ar- Arrogant Sons of Bitches they came from, which yep. I have a chapter on them. And it also is where Dan Deacon yep. uh, started 59. out with his band, Channel 59. Yeah, I interviewed yep. him for the book as well. He I gave just, me the full Ska story of his past.
0: Well, to Jed and Emily, Dan Deacon is an electronic artist that you would totally associate in the Pitchfork world. Like very, okay. very... Crazy music, and I'm glad you know about Ennis Goldfish and Channel 59. The Scofflaws were also a big band here. Step, oh, wow. I believe, well, Why did I say here? I'm not fucking on Long Island, I don't know where <laughs> I'm from. But Long Island had an incredible scene, so I think that yeah, because yeah. of MTV, that's how I got exposed to Real Big Fish, Boston's, and all that. And that's what catalyzed me to find out about local bands.
3: Yeah. The, sc- the scofflaws date back to like the mid '80s, I think, and I, they had they had another name, and I can't I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, uh, you know what? I think it might have been something like maybe the New Bohemians or something, be- or the Bohemians, because I kn- I know they got in this whole thing with Edie Bukiel and the Bohemians where they had to like sell their name to them. I'm Some out. weird story, <laughs> yeah. But um, um, Dan Deacon he he started to blow up as an as an indie electronic artist in like 2008 or 2007 or something 2006 mm-hmm. so what happened was is that in 2008 stereo gum published an article like Dan Deacon used to be in a ska band and they like put posted a bunch of his photos and and it was totally written as this sort of like ha 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 look what we found you know like, like we're going to embarrass this like this up and coming you know hipster dude and uh so then it you know He's that's, like, what, so that's what that's what the dude. media did so what? Yeah. Well, he he told me he was actually like or he was embarrassed and frightened at first yeah. that like he he was really concerned that it was going to just torpedo his career and his credibility. But he kind of like held oh, out yeah. and, and realized that it wasn't a big deal. And he then he now he's like totally down with like you know his scar roots and just sort of claiming it. Well, that's what oh, happened. When
0: Madonna when Madonna's old pictures, her nude pictures came out just as she was getting big. She was like, so what? And that very, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but by the way, the scoff laws, you are correct. They were called the New Bohemians, so yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah,
3: so they got paid, they got paid by uh the Edie Brukel's label to use the name. I don't know, I can't remember how much, but yeah, interesting little side story, I mean, I think many scad stories, so <laughs> to,
0: um basically pretend right now because we're wrapping up that you're in an elevator with um, the most important literary journalist ever, and you want to pitch your book, go.
3: <laughs>
1: oh, no. Ha <Ha-ha>. ha. <laughs> Odd start, but that's bold. Let's see how that plays
3: out. You want, so you want me to um, pitch an anecdote, or you want me I to I want tell you them?
0: to do whatever you deem necessary without me advising you how to do it, and without <laughs> you asking follow-up questions <laughs> to delay
3: your time. all right okay so mr executive you gotta publish this book on ska because there's so many people out there that love ska nobody takes this seriously and they are waiting for this book so someone finally takes their music seriously and then you know what's going to happen is that all the other people on the outside who've been making fun of ska they're going to get curious and they're going to want to check it out too they're gonna be like why did this guy write a book about ska why is he literally defending ska I think I'm just gonna. I think I'm gonna give it a shot. And you know what? You should check out my my uh, book cover. My book cover was shot in uh, Gilman, legendary punk venue. Uh, Gilman. Rest I don't in know. peace. You, you guys, you guys have you seen the cover? Um, I went in. The, it's not. It's it's not. It's not dead. I think there yeah, was a I joke joke done, article I that came around. Yeah, yeah. Shut down. I thought I shut down. Uh, no, no, it did no. not. It, there was a joke article oh, that went around, but, but it was it was a joke. Oh, God. It's God damn it! Very I'm much a lie.
2: Gilman is Northern California for everyone.
3: Yeah. So we, me and a few friends, we went into Gilman during the summer, um, during the pandemic and with their permission. And we, we sprayed painted and, and painted like pro ska stuff, the cover that you see over one of their walls that has all the just crazy, dumb, like punk rock graffiti. Ska sucks, crossed out sucks, put in defense of ska, right there on Gilman's, uh, one of Gilman's walls, that was our cover. And I feel like that's the sort of the message of the book. Like, you know, ska's not a joke and it's like, I'm, I'm ready to be kind of uh, in your face about it, that w- what you think and know about ska isn't necessarily true. And that you should, if you want to, if you want to like challenge your narrative, you should read my book and, and be willing to, to reconsider all your thoughts and feelings about ska.
0: Well, uh, on the cover of the book, I'm looking right now, and there's a Moonska sticker on the, on mm-hmm. the uh, wall there, uh, in addition to a slapstick one, which is Dan from Alkaline Trio's old ska band. So food for thought. Mm-hmm. I don't believe yeah. we, have, we only have one minute left, right? So I think this is where I shut up, and then you tell Jed and Emily and myself and the gillions of listeners all your socials and how they can purchase this book when it's ready.
3: So you want to go to ClashBooks.com to pre-order it. It, it, it comes out in May, but um, you'll get it in April. It's on Amazon and everywhere else too right now for pre-sale, but it's up to you if you want to do it directly from my publisher or if you want to go to your favorite book you know retailer. It's all there. It's all available right now for pre-order. Um, I, have a, um, I have a Substack newsletter. You mentioned it earlier, Soft, Soft spot for Ska, Aaron Carnes. That's C A R N E S dot substack dot com. Uh, right now I'm doing weekly newsletters every Wednesday. Gonna, gonna work on increasing that this year. Gonna have some podcast stuff going on too. Um, my friend Adam Davis, who was in the band Link 80, um, he's co-hosting with me. So him and I are talking to Scott people. Um, we've, we've done a few episodes. Um, we're doing one tonight. It's going to be pretty fun. Oh, yeah. I think people will enjoy it. Yeah. Um, my socials. Yeah. My socials are on there. Um, Twitter is at Aaron Carnes, and then uh, uh, Instagram is at Aaron underscore Carnes.
1: Classic. That's how they get (laughs) you. Well, ladies and and gentlemen, no, Scott, go ahead. No, I'm done. I'm done. he's done. And you know what? If I were that executive, I'd make that book happen. If this were a, this is a long elevator, bro. I gotta say, but you know what? We're going all the way to the top. Next Twilight. (laughs) <laughs> but of ska ladies and gentlemen this has been waldman's words here on adobe radio hopefully you're listening live tuesdays at 5 p.m pacific which means that you also just caught our twitch live stream tuesdays at 4 p.m pacific where it's even more open and goofy and fun and hopefully aaron we can have you on that as well
3: i would love to be on it thank you so much
1: you can find Scott Lewis Waldman at Scott Lewis Waldman. You can find Emily Burke at Emily Burke. And you can find me, Jed Fuchs, at Jed Fuchs. Also, make sure to follow Waldman's words on all the socials. Keep posting on all the good stuff we have going on. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Karns on the show today. Woo! Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Woo!